0: Hello. Welcome to the Global Content Design Podcast. Today, we're talking to Gladys Doki. She's an independent content designer and conversation designer. She's an author, she's a lecturer, and she runs a book club called Beyond the Cover. Today, we're talking about content design and content strategy in France. Gladys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, so we're going to start with um, where are you in the world? I'm in Paris and
1: I've been living here for the rest of my life.
0: And um, just tell us a bit about how you got to where you are now in the content industry.
1: Before uh, being a content designer, I was in media relations. I worked for uh, uh, major PR agencies in in technology, and I worked for many brands like, uh, I don't know, Nikon, uh, Google, um, HP, Bose. One of my clients who was working in um, a specialized profile, like in the technology field and UX, they told about about UX and I said, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and in fact, I took a UX design training a few months after that, after doing a lot of research, because content design didn't exist really, uh, in France at least. And this is when I started reading um, books. Uh, so I read microcopy um, because that was, the, I mean, it was in English at the time, but after that, that was the only uh, book available in French. Uh, I started reading Pod Podmajowski, and I read her a book and sent her a message saying, would you, would you agree for an interview? And she said, yes. And I started doing a few interviews on Medium. And this is how I started doing UX. And I started working on uh, content design and understanding the position and the job and what we need to do, asking so many questions to
0: so many people in, in the industry. Amazing. We're going to get to your book in just a minute, but I want to step back a bit. You were talking about... In France, there were books in English and not very many books. So how would you say that the kind of the state of digital, particularly content and how it's seen as an industry, what's that like in France? A lot of things
1: have changed uh, since, uh, since, I, since I started, really, uh, because at the beginning, I was part of a small group of people who had to explain everything. And, um, and I see a massive change because during the last, to five years. Uh, We came from being experimental. Uh, We knew the theory, but we didn't know everything about the job at the time. And today, because we have books, we had podcasts, we had in English and French, but everybody doesn't speak French, uh, English, sorry. So it means um, all the people who speak English have a huge amount of resources (laughs) to get to know the, the job. But all the people who don't are locked in French, and so you need to do with what you have. And and this is why uh, we had uh, during uh, the COVID time we had uh, a clubhouse every Thursday, an hour and a half. <laughs> we were uh, picking different topics. So sometimes it was uh, many content designer, or researcher. I mean, we had different topics. I also invited a. Um, a narrative designer, for example, to talk about what they do in narrative design and what we can take for us. So, uh, And we always had people talking about accessibility. So that was really a wonderful time.
0: Yeah, okay. So now that you've done that and you're spreading it out and it's incredible that you just took this thing and you're like, no, we need to do it for us in um, French because I do find, and this is my bubble, but it it seems like it's very English heavy. (laughs) Definitely. Um, what this podcast is about is to to raise up those other voices so how did it like work with the product managers and the other people that you were working with when you were introducing this and saying yeah no English French only uh, but in,
1: in fact it was kind of easy what I loved about the platform even we have today the book club for example uh, we had PMs coming we had product designer coming and asking questions we had Many different people, and all those people are gonna bring color and and specialties in the and and the product will be better. So we had everyone, and we picked the topic to have everyone and listen to other other people's perspectives. So sometimes we had we had UI, and we had research, we had localization. We had uh, someone she's French, uh, she works at Deliveroo. We had a man who worked in a, he, he write uh, the movies uh and we we listened to it and said, "Okay, what can we pick from what it
0: does and we saw we saw so many connections. Do you think this way of working in content is respected generally across France, or is it still a little bit too new
1: um I have struggled a lot i have I had to fight a lot <laughs> to be able to do my job like it's supposed to be done um I I remember also because, you know, the first book that was available in French was a microcopy. And I mean, it's a good book in many ways, but that was the only one. I mean, you only saw the microcopy and some uh, rules and and things you need to do, but not the process. (laughs) And I remember someone telling me, I know what you do. You do microcopy. And I said, yes, but there's a little bit more (laughs) behind that. And so each time, each time I had to, and this is why, you know, even in the way I was, um, when I was introduced to a new company, let's look if you agree. And most of the people, you know, when you explain, I mean, smart people, when you explain, um, they get it. I mean, and they are going to have questions, but it becomes a a base for conversation. (laughs) So at the beginning, you need to say yes, (laughs) because you need to work. But what I have seen today Uh, I see more and more people coming and saying, we don't know, we are super interested, we want to learn. When before, I saw a lot of people who had the feeling that I came to steal their job.
0: So things, I mean, the mindset has moved, really. Yeah, I, I love that when you can get to that point and you can say no, and so many people aren't there yet. But I would love to see the industry get to a point where nobody will work. Like people won't be able to hire anybody unless they let them do the whole job. Um, so you've written a book. Tell us about your book. My book for me, it's a
1: research book. I, I looked at many different fields and I, I wanted to be I wanted to be sure that even if I was not doing everything that was in the book at the time, uh, I understood clearly what the job was. And even your book. For example, I loved your book because you are explaining the process because the the other book we had was more about the microcopy and less about the process. I also needed to fix this issue in my book, so that was interesting to say, "Okay, what do I do? What do we need? What do I learn from the experiences I have working with company? What type of question do I have all the time because I was already doing um, a bunch of talks. So I had questions that came back all the time. We had the clubhouse and we had an hour and a half every week for more than a year. So we had so many feedback, so many questions. I I knew my users, if I can say that, my readers, and I knew what I needed to answer at the time. Writing is hard, but I think that made me grow really fast. So how long did it take you to write? Did you do it on your own? Yes, I did it on my own when we were locked down. (laughs) I did the research. I always do research because that's a a way of life. And sometimes some stuff were in my head, but I did the writing for a little bit more than uh, a year.
0: And the bit that um, really stood out for me, actually, in your book, you talk about storytelling. Now, there is a very purist view, particularly in content design, that it can only be one thing. And you can only do it one way. And it's for government and it's for very kind of, I don't know, very rigid content. And that's not how I see it. And I don't think you see it like that either, do you?
1: Definitely no. When I do conversation design, because I do conversation design projects sometimes, I look at how people in the theater and cinema write dialogues. And you can learn so much from them. I love writers for that. So every type of writer, because we can steal from them. <laughs> of course, when I say steal, it's not steal their technique and say, this is yours, but because I will never do that. But learn from what they do great
0: and see how we can apply some of those exercises to our job. Yeah, I love that. It's because we have some sort of connection with it. And you can't have a connection if you don't know who your audience is. And it's exactly the same on digital. And, the, and
1: this is why storytelling, for me, it's, it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. And this is why most of the time when I explain my job, I said I'm doing exactly the same thing something as a product designer. My main point will be to uh, figure out uh, what information I need. So pick different information from different people and frame the story in a way that will be appealing to the audience. I know I repeat that all the time. I said we are not the hero. We are solving the people problem. Frame that story in a way that is appealing to the user
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no I love that also it makes me think of um reminds me of a phrase here in the UK if, if somebody is being the hero right they put their underpants on the outside and they have a cape and I think you're quite right some organizations think they're like that right and it's like no it's not about us it's all about them
1: and this is why some copywriting techniques uh like story brand or other ones uh definitely help. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so your book, who do
0: you who do you recommend it for?
1: It's uh so product design. I mean, everyone in the product, but also marketing, copywriting. And it's interesting because I see a lot of lawyers using my book too, because of legal design and because they want to understand how to write for real people and not for themselves. <laughs> but everybody
0: who writes for other people. Tell me a little bit more about this law thing because in the UK we have a huge problem with legal people putting loads of legal language everywhere and then everybody ignores it and then the thing that they're trying to save people from doing and breaking the law, people do it because they don't understand it. Is that something that you have there too?
1: We have the same. I mean, I some, sometimes most of the time I struggle a little bit with that copy but sometimes you find one person who says, okay, I understand, I'm okay to try. <laughs> It's about patience today. But just find your allies, and I know I reached some of the people in that field and said, okay, would you uh, be happy to come to Clubhouse at the time, or uh, could you come to the company and talk about what we do And we invite people in the legal team?
0: You're talking about patience. Um, What do you think are the primary challenges then and the opportunities for content in France at the moment? Let's maybe let's
1: think about um, research. For example, Um, most of the people don't even know what we need. So if we start being interested in research, uh, looking at what we need, how we can uh, improve the research with our skills too, uh, I think we have huge opportunities there. Having research in our background makes us even more. I mean, our work even more reliable. They know why you're here and they know the value of what you bring. And maybe the main challenge I see, uh, and that's something I discuss a lot because I think that's a real problem. We are mostly a women field. And with women's problem, which means let's ask for money. <laughs> let's talk about that. And I've been talking about that in the French market because, yes, I said, I can, be, I can make money, but if I'm the only one, I lose. I have the impression I'm not doing the job.
0: Yeah, two things there. One, we should definitely, or content people should definitely charge what they're worth. Because I think if you get something for free, people don't value it as much. And so I don't think as an industry, we do ourselves any justice by going in and saying, yeah, we're really cheap because it makes it seem like everybody can do it, right? Because it's cheap. You know what? I did all of the events for free when I first started talking because I had to, because I was a civil servant and you can't take money. Right. Um, so you kind of have to, um, and then I got to a point where they were still asking me and I was running my own business and I'm like, "Mm, this is now, this is a place of privilege for me because I can, because, you know, I can, I can arrange childcare. I can afford to travel and it is totally, it's exclusive. We, you are excluding anybody who cannot afford either in time or money or whatever to do it. And it, as an industry, we need to stop it. Completely. And
1: we need transparency because some events are going to tell you straight away. And one of them I'm thinking about like uh, doing a talk. And I said, oh, are you paid? And she said, yes, I'm going to make that much. So we know. <laughs> if you don't ask, sometimes the money is here. But if you don't ask, you will have nothing. One one of the the main advice it's it's key to discuss about that and and ask people okay uh, can you do you mind sharing or even if it's not the exact price just uh, give an idea yeah
0: because we do need to do that as an industry so tell us about this book club can people come um,
1: yes uh, the only thing is the um, the mailing list is in French but um, but definitely you can ping me and say oh I'm interested can I join and we can give you access. In January, it's this book about money and it will be in French. But February, it's um, the book about uh, life, life and death um,
0: design. So if you want to join, you can. <laughs> you don't pick easy things, do you? You're, you're just picking all the challenges for yourself. I've always
1: had no limits. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't want to put myself limits when everything is possible if we have the ideas and the time and we have no budget, but. We try to do fun things. And for me, if it's not interesting,
0: nobody wants to come. And I'm happy everybody wants to join. So <laughs> that's cool. That's amazing. Okay, I have one question before we let you go. One more question. Um, can you think of any phrases or expressions that work in France, but they don't work anywhere else?
1: Uh, we, we, okay, I'm going to do the translation. But l'ed- l'ed- I don't know if people still say that. But it means fingers in the nose. What do you think it means? <laughs> ah, that you should get a, a tissue and blow your nose appropriately. I don't know. What does that mean? And no, that means it's easy. Like I did it like uh, like a piece of cake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that, it, the finger in your nose means that it's easy. That's changed. That's okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap it up here. But thank you very much uh, for coming on the podcast. Thank you.